right, uh, this is uh, Jenny Meyer, Chair of the Historic Resources Commission. It is now 6 p.m., so we will go ahead and call to order the um, June 17th, 2021 meeting of the Historic Resources Commission. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just do a roll call to see who's here this evening. Um, Commissioner Irby. Commissioner Irby, present. Commissioner Holder. Present. Commissioner Ezell. I'm here. Commissioner Young. Commissioner Burkinen Young here. Commissioner Foster. Present. And Commissioner Hawley. Commissioner Hawley not present. Okay, thank you. When I didn't know if, do you want to do the usual um, instructions? Democratic Solner Historic Resources Administrator. Yes, I have Avery here with me and she's gonna tell you a little bit about how tonight's meeting will run. Yes, thank you. So good evening and welcome to the June 17th, 2021 Historic Resources Commission meeting. My name is Avery Kerner, and I will be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting this evening. Joining me here in the City Commission room is Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. We will work alongside the chair, who is on remote video, to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the City's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you're muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute yourself if and when you would like to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you're not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you're participating. Turning your video off when you're not participating will help make sure that active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker, Gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. Commissioners, you must state your name and title each time you speak. Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I would also ask that applicants and members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button on the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located on the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you may dial star nine. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct you to the podium to speak. All motions will need to be clearly stated. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. 
The chair will then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want to again remind everybody to please mute yourself when you are not speaking. And with that, I'll turn the meeting over to the chair. Thank you. This is uh, Chair Jody Meyer. We'll start with the um, first item on the agenda, which is communications. Uh, Lynn, have there been any communications from other commissions, the State Historic Preservation Officer and or the general public? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. You had one com uh, communication that was added to the packet today for item number two. And that's the only communication that I have. This is Chair Meyer again. Um, thank you. I must admit that I personally have not reviewed that yet because uh, I've reviewed the packet previously. Does anybody have any questions about that? Or is there any public comment on that item, Lynn? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. You can take public comment when you have item number two. Thank you. This is Jody Meyer, Chair again. Um, is there any disclosure of ex parte communications by any commissioners this evening? Okay, here's there are no disclosures of ex parte communications. Um, are there any declaration of abstentions for specific agenda items by commissioners this evening? Seeing no declaration of abstentions. Um, moving on then to committee reports. Lynn, are there any committee reports? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. We have two committee reports this evening. One about the downtown master plan. Um, Matt Beach, who was previously on the commission and was appointed by this commission to serve on the downtown master plan steering committee is here. And um, we had an architectural review committee meeting for um, item number three, and I think they can speak to that item when we get to it on your agenda. So I would ask um, Matt Beach if he would speak to us now about the downtown master plan. Mr. Chair Meyer, welcome Matt, go ahead. Thank you, um, <clears throat> hi everybody. And uh, thanks for letting me report back to you on this uh, this item that has been, or this issue that's been going on for quite some time. Uh, just to remind everyone, um, I, was a, I was asked to serve on the downtown master plan steering committee, um, I think in 2018. And um, then I went off the commission in, in early 20, when did I go off the commission? I can't even remember when I went off the commission in 2020, I guess. Um, and then COVID hit. And so um, this has taken a very long time. This uh, downtown master plan uh, has taken over two and a half years to come together. Um, just uh, try to make this fairly brief. I have a fair, a fair number of notes here because a lot has happened and I want you all to be aware of this. Uh, just real quick, have, have any of any or all of you had a look at the downtown uh, master plan draft? Any of the commissioners? No, Brenna has. A bit. Kelly, Jody, okay. All right, so KT, I bet you've read it. Yeah, I know. I'm not supposed to allow that. I'm okay. I'm I'm going to follow the rules. Um, so the planning process again. It started in 2018. 
uh, a consultant uh, was hired uh, out of Chicago, but with some uh, two of the members who, um, who I think one of them lived in Lawrence and went to KU and another one went to KU. So there was some Lawrence, uh, a good Lawrence perspective. I can't remember the name of the firm, Lynn. Can you remind me the name of the firm? Hill Levine. Thank you. That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Um, the public engagement that they uh, that they carried out involved workshops and focus groups and surveys, and I was pretty impressed with the uh, the intensity of all of those uh, efforts. My role was on the steering committee, uh, representing the Historic Resources Commission. Like I said, I, I was appointed when I was a commissioner and then you all asked me to continue uh, to represent the HRC even after I was off the commission. Uh, there are 18 members on the, on the committee and they represent a variety of downtown Lawrence stakeholder groups, including uh, HRC. The steering committee was uh, planned to have uh, three meetings uh, we had one in November in uh, 20, November 2018. We had another one, I believe, in, in 2020, January of 2020. That's at least uh, what I could figure out. And then we had a meeting on May 27th of 2021 to review the draft plan. And then at that meeting, uh, there was enough pushback from the... Um, the steering committee to uh, just just feeling like we hadn't had enough time to really do a thorough review of it. And so we asked for and received permission to extend the uh, public comment period and to have a, a final, a fourth meeting of, of the uh, steering committee. And that meeting is scheduled for July 8th, 2021. Uh, so that's coming up. And uh, I think that will be a virtual meeting uh, as well as, uh, as, as, as was the one on May 27th. So the plan itself, uh, it's pretty long. It's like a hundred pages. There's, there's quite a bit there. Um, I think it's, it's a good one, um, a solid one from a historic preservation perspective. Uh, I was, you know, I, I was representing the HRC and, and um, focused uh, almost solely on uh, historic preservation issues in my review of the plan and in any of my comments made during steering committee meetings. Um, the plan itself, I think, does a pretty good job of acknowledging the value of maintaining downtown Lawrence's historic fabric. Uh, one of the guiding principles, in fact, um, which is on page 16, says that uh, one of the guiding principles is to balance historic preservation with infill development and has a fairly lengthy statement about how crucial um, the architecture and history is to, uh, to our downtown. There's even a at, a, at one point, there's a, a, a suggestion that we identify additional properties for listing on uh, the various registers of historic places. Um, I particularly liked from a historic preservation standpoint, the way that the consultant uh, defined various, I think there are 11 functional sub areas within downtown Lawrence. I think they did a nice job of defining those. Um, and it, uh, they, they actually included, the, in the downtown area, they actually included uh, what they call a North Lawrence anchor. So um, they didn't, you know, they didn't start south of the river. They actually went north of the river um, and uh, included uh, some of the riverfront area and the depot. And, uh, and I think that was very, uh, very appropriate. Um, I did want to mention that um, 
on Mass Street, um, another kind of a call, I was just kind of wanted to point out some of the, the areas in which historic preservation played a role in some of the language. And so when they were describing Mass, Mass Street itself, which is essentially 7th through 11th in there as a sub area, when they were describing the built form of Mass Street, uh, the consultant said that um, as a well-developed subarea, the built form of the Massachusetts Street subarea should support its historic nature, preserving building and architectural elements where appropriate. New development should match existing character with particular emphasis on buildings between 7th Street and 11th Street. Um, just a, again, an example of how historic preservation kind of permeates the document. Another, uh, I think, important and, and very welcome addition to the functional subarea discussion in the plan, uh, they include for each of these 11 functional subareas a suggested uh, height restriction on, uh, on new structures in those, uh, on uh, new and existing structures, I guess additions to those structures could, could happen. Um, and most of them seem um, very, very reasonable and, and good guidance. Uh, the plan also includes uh, a pretty long section on opportunity sites for redevelopment redevelop that seem well identified, uh, at least to my eye, uh, although there, there's always going to be plenty of room for discussion, as we've already seen in some of the public comment. Um, the consultants, for some reason, decided to call out the replay and the Red Lion Tavern uh, for potential redevelopment, and uh, there was some pushback on that, so I'm guessing that won't end up in the final plan. The post office was also mentioned as a spot for redevelopment. And, and uh, I think the language around that post office redevelopment project will be uh, better, better stated. The vision statement, now we get into some of the very specific historic preservation elements that I'd like to comment on. Uh, just, this is just my own kind of personal opinion, and I didn't even say this at our meeting, but um, the vision statement, which is very long, it's on pages 14 and 15, and it's kind of like, you know, 20 years from now, this is what downtown Lawrence, this is the experience you'll have. And at no point in that vision statement um, was there any mention of the continued existence of downtown Lawrence's historic architecture and streetscape. And um, yeah, it's a great, it's a guiding principle. And I know they, they, uh, the, the consultants uh, view historic preservation as key, but I, I really felt like the vision statement should include uh, at least some acknowledgement that uh, our historic fabric is still there. That's just kind of a minor point. Some of the, the other specific elements um, uh, where they were very, the, the plan very specifically addresses uh, issues of historic preservation, things that directly impact the, the work of the Historic Resources Commission include on page 47, um, a description and discussion of the downtown urban conservation overlay district. Um, and um, probably most pertinent to the work of the HRC was the, an encouragement um, that, uh, that the downtown design guidelines get updated and, and specifically the language they use, pretty, pretty um, general language, but they specifically state that the new guidelines should provide a range of design principles, standards, and criteria for infill development and new development based on the functional sub-areas. Um, I don't, I personally don't have any objection to that. I do think it's time for the downtown design guidelines to, to have a refresh and I don't have any, any specific objection to, um, to the range of design principles as suggested there. They don't define what those should be, just that there should be kind of a broader range. 
there's a mention in the document. I didn't note the, the specific pages um, on that on this one, but um, there's discussion of, of something they call a facade improvement program. Uh, I assume primarily on Mass Street. Even, uh, it even the plan even goes so far as to suggest a city-funded facade improvement program, and uh, it just seems to me that. Um, that while that, that might be a nice thing to have, uh, there's a, a very good one that already exists in the form of historic preservation tax credits, both at the state and the federal level, uh, which is a, an incredible uh, incentive that isn't, isn't probably taken advantage of as much as we would like to see. And so, um, so I've, I, I suggested at our, at our uh, May 27th meeting, and I plan to suggest it again at the, the July 8th meeting, that the plan includes at least some acknowledgement that the uh, Historic Preservation Tax Credit Program ex exists uh, and, uh, and perhaps encourage that, um, that more downtown businesses take advantage of it. And then uh, the, the, the major, major concern that I have and that, uh, that anyone involved with historic preservation in the city um, would have is on page 49. And that's a very specific discussion of the historic preservation ordinance, chapter 22. And in my, from my standpoint, um, and some others who I've, I've spoken to about this, the section seems really out of character, almost like it was written by a different author. Um, because it is, it's, it has an anti-historic preservation um, vibe to it that just seems, um, just seems odd. Uh, very specifically, it, um, it contends that the preservation ordinance, the chapter 22, um, and uh, particularly the environs review for Lawrence Register Properties, our, our local environs review, uh, in, the, in the language of the document, they say that it has stymied downtown Lawrence reinvestment, and there's no evidence provided to support the statement. And I think there's plenty of counter evidence for that. Um, you know, we've and you can list a whole a whole bunch of buildings, including the the library and the art center, and two parking garages, and the west side of the 600 block of Mass, and the trainer building, and the New Hampshire Street mixed use high rises of downtown Lawrence reinvestment um, that um, is certainly um, certainly the the environs reviews didn't prevent that from happening. Hey, this is uh, this is. Jody Meyer, sorry to interrupt you for a minute, Matt. Did they, um, it, were they asked to provide any sort of evidence or documentation to support that assertion? Well, I, I certainly brought it up uh, at the, at the May 27th meeting and I'll, and I'll bring it up uh, again at the July 8th meeting. They're, <clears throat> the consultant's pretty clear that they're not going to do any update to the draft until all, all public comment has been gathered and the steering committee has weighed in on it. Um, so I don't, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, I, there, there was really, uh, I didn't get much in the way of, of reaction from con the consultants on, uh, on that particular issue. The suggested um, strategies, uh, strategy, they have alter, they, the language says that these are kind of, um, alternative strategies for addressing the historic preservation ordinance. So basically making very specific recommendations on how chapter 22 should be updated to address concerns about environs reviews. <clears throat> 
the language is a little convoluted. You can read it yourself on page 49. But the first suggestion is, um, I, I, um, I wrote it just in a few words. It says, you know, and I, I say just to revise the standards for environs reviews. You know, so to have have additional sets of standards for certificates of appropriateness for um, for properties that are in the environs of locally listed uh, properties. So that's kind of the least um, least concerning uh, issue. I don't have any. I, you know, if we want to if we want to kind of refine how um, environs reviews are conducted, I don't. I don't. In in chapter twenty two, I think that would that would be quite appropriate. The second one, and I, I would have real concerns about this one, would be to allow uh, all environs reviews to be approved administratively by the Historic Resources Administrator with no HRC involvement. Um, you know, I don't have any, I, I have full respect for the staff and for the Historic Resources Administrator, but I do think that eliminates some uh, opportunity for public involvement in, in pretty important issues uh, affecting the downtown and, and the entire uh, city for that matter. This is not just a downtown issue. And then finally, the one that, that disturbed me the most is the uh, proposal to just eliminate environments reviews from uh, lo you know, local environs reviews from the historic preservation ordinance. And so I just um, um, didn't do not, I don't personally don't agree with that, but I also don't think that a 20 year strategic plan is the place to get that specific about some of the details of one city ordinance. Yes, chapter 22 needs to be, uh, needs to be updated. Staff has been working on it, uh, but we need to have a full public process with all the stakeholders involved to talk about what chapter 22 should look like for the future. So um, my ideas on, on, particularly on page 49, you know, as I go into the July 8th meeting, um, you know, my, my thought would be to try and get some, you know, get the removal of the stymied downtown reinvestment uh, language. Um, to, and then to include something to suggest that the preservation ordinance should be updated, um, but without suggesting specific changes. Uh, very similar to the way the plan encourages updates to the downtown design guidelines without propose, proposing very specific revisions um, on page 47 of the document. And at that point, then I ran out of time in preparing my report. So that's the end of my, of my book report. I would be happy to stand for questions um, and would welcome your, your comments and, and thoughts on all of this. This is Jody Meyer, Chair, again. Uh, Lynn, was there any public comment on this item? Lynn Braddock, Solner, Historic Resources Administrator. No, this is just a committee report. Public comment should be addressed to um, the Downtown Design Guideline um, Review Committee, the Steering Committee, and or the City Commission. There are um, opportunities to provide public comment through those venues. All right, thank you. This is Chair Meyer again. It is, um, is there any questions uh, for Matt from commissioners? Uh, this is Commissioner Foster. Hi, Matt, thank you for your, your efforts. Um, for what you were quoting on page 49, um, it would be nice in the committee proceedings if the consultants could go on the record as the origin of their more controversial statements. Mm -hmm. 
you know, quoting certain public meetings um, or what input or saying that it's from their professional judgment and yeah. why, or was it perhaps directed by members of the city government? Yep. So, Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree with that I very appreciate much. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I'll do yeah, my best. They're, they're not, I mean, sometimes they're a little evasive about where those things come from. So I'll just, I'll do my best. Thank you. And it's always hard in these virtual meetings to um, have actual discussion. Um, they end up being a, being a series of speeches. And so I'm concerned about, about that aspect of it, but I will, uh, I will do my best. Thank you. Does anybody have any objections to kind of the general tenor of my uh, of my of my comments that that I will make that I have made and that I will make? This sure, is Mara, I don't. Oh. Hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Brenna. Um, I just want to say thank you for all the work that you've done. Um, I very much appreciate what you presented, and I and I say that in that you've hit on pretty much everything that kind of jumped off the page and hit, I didn't want to highlight mm. when I went through it. Okay. Um, you know, overall, I think, I think you nailed it on the head and I appreciate your work. Okay. Thanks, Brenna. Appreciate it. This is Commissioner Holder. Hi, Matt. Hey, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you uh, for your thorough review and representing the HRC past your uh, tenure on the HRC. I know it's another commitment. Yeah. Um, and I do agree with all of your comments. Um, I don't think I could have articulated it better than you. So thank you. Good. Thank you. All right. Uh, Commissioner Irby, I also agree with your um, comments, Matt. Are there? I, I appreciate that you're representing the HRC on this. Are there are there other ways that HRC commissioners can, uh, you know, provide support for you or or provide? Well, there. I mean, public comment is open until uh, June 24th, I believe, is when is the cutoff date. Um, is that correct, Lynn? Do you? remember i think that's i think that's the cutoff date and so if any of you are inspired to um to write uh there seems to be um some mm, how to phrase it there's kind of a this issue is viewed as contentious and it was characterized uh in a meeting or, uh that i was part of yesterday characterized as the comments are coming in at about 50 50 on one on on either side of that issue and so um if it's a game that we're playing that we're counting then any you know any comments from you all kind of supporting the historic preservation perspective would be welcome commissioner Irby again i guess i guess my real question is is it appropriate to represent ourselves as commissioners or are we public are we just citizens i don't know the answer to that lynn lynn would probably need to weigh in on that Lynn Wright, Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, you would be um, commenting as a citizen and not as a representative of the HRC. Matt is officially the representative of the HRC. Okay, fair enough. This is Commissioner Foster, although I would suspect we could make a motion as we are gathered here tonight to make any official 
congregate statement to the committee. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I think that would be appropriate. Okay. This is Commissioner Foster. I'm not offering to come up with that language right at the moment, but I'm hoping some others could, could be a little bit more um, helpful in that respect, but um, perhaps a, an official um, comment from this body might be more significant than a number of individual um, statements as mm -hmm. private citizens. Commissioner Irby, I'm just pointing out that KT has her hand up. This is Chair Meyer. Sorry, I, she's not on my screen. Oh, there she is. And I, maybe I just didn't see her. This is like, I feel like this is like Brady Bunch or something, trying to keep my eyes on everybody. Uh, KT, would you like to say something? I don't know if this is the appropriate time, um, but East Lawrence Neighborhood Association submitted pages pages of comments on the downtown plan. And we as a body are very, very concerned by exactly what Matt has been describing. It almost seems um, there's a vindictive tone uh, to some of the writing. Um, and we as a body, I think are going to send another formal letter because we're so concerned about historic preservation, just so you know. Mr. Chair Meyer again, thank you, KT. So I, I think it brings back to do, do, we, do we want to say something as a body? Are we okay as Matt makes it known that we've discussed it and those are our feelings about it? I, I, I don't have a preference. Commissioner Irby, I guess I would, I think we should say something as a body. I mean, I, is, unless I don't see the harm in it. This is Commissioner Foster. It, just, it, it might be difficult to come up with the language on the fly, unfortunately, but we could certainly attempt to do so. Um, I'm just not exactly sure how to, to make that happen, but yeah, the, uh, the language is very concerning. It makes me very concerned about who's um, directing from the city, the, these consultants. I'm concerned about the, the management of that effort and um, you know, would want to know ultimately who's responsible for um, any uh, uh, sort of um, unacceptable action on, 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 on behalf of this effort. Uh, I think we all have a whole lot of hopes um, and to, to see after two years of effort to be resulting in some sort of um, controversial mess that uh, doesn't reflect um, the attitudes of some very involved citizens and certainly this very involved commission would be very disappointing and I would be looking at uh, yeah. city management to, to respond as to you know, why we would have ended up where we're, it sounds like we're about to end up and so anything we can do to head that off would be awesome. Commissioner Irby, uh, at the end of Matt's presentation, he said, this is what I intend to focus on in July. And I thought, and that was a really nice summation. Maybe if he could repeat, I think it was a couple of things, if he could repeat that. And then I think we could, we could make a motion out of that. 
So um, my my specific uh, suggestions to, and I've already made this suggestion at the May twenty seventh meeting, but I but I will make it again. Uh, I pl- I intend to make it again if you if you support it at the July eighth meeting, is to <clears throat> remove I, on page forty nine specifically. I would like to see the removal of, there's an entire paragraph, but specifically the sentence that says that um, his, historic preservation and specifically environs reviews have stymied downtown reinvestment. And in its place, in the place of that, and in the place of the three alternative strategies for the very specific strategies for amending or for revising chapter 22, I, I, will, I would suggest that the, preser- that the plan encourage completion of the chapter 22 revisions, but without suggesting specific changes. Uh, those are kind of the two, my two big, will be my big asks and it will be i mean there are some people who feel very on the steering committee who feel very strongly that environs reviews um prevent any innovation in downtown lawrence this is commissioner foster could you repeat that last sentence who has that view uh there's just some uh, there are a few people one or two on the steering committee um, who have that view. I was surprised to hear it, but um, I think there is some, um, I mean, as you all know, these are somewhat complicated overlapping um, sets of guidelines that we work with. You know, if you got the downtown conservation overlay district that includes the, you know, the downtown Lawrence design guidelines, and you've got environs reviews for locally listed properties, and you have state law reviews, and um, and I think sometimes there's a, there's a bit of confusion over um, what applies to what and what might be preventing um, certain kinds of architectural activities from from happening downtown. Personally, I think they might be more, they might be conflating the down, the design guidelines with environment reviews. Uh, this is Commissioner Foster. Lynn, do you know what the process from this point forward for the master plan is? Does it go to commission for approval? Does it come through HRC? Um, what does Lynn the future Bre- look like? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. There is um, continued public comment then that public comment and the draft document go back to the steering committee where they will make a recommendation to the city commission. The city commission will take all of the public comment and the information from the steering committee at their regular meeting. They can adopt the plan at that meeting or they can request changes to the draft document and have it brought back for an additional meeting. This is Commissioner Foster. So this final meeting with Matt as our representative is our last official voice in the process? Lynn Braddock, Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, yes. No pressure. <laughs> Commissioner, Commissioner Irby, I don't, I don't mean to like 
speed things up or, you know, but I, I think I have like a draft of something we could say. Okay. So, um, I have like a, the meat of it, but then I'd, I'd like to also add an additional sentence at the end. Okay. But here's what I've got. So we, the HRC strongly encourage removal of language on page 49 of the strategic plan, asserting that historic preservation efforts have in any way stymied economic development of downtown Lawrence. In addition, in place of the very specific suggestions for revising ordinance chapter 22, the HRC encourages that the plan suggests that chapter 22 should be revised, but with making any specific suggestions about those revisions, period. And then I'd like another sentence that's like, historic preservation is like part of the fabric of our community or something like that. That's just like a more specific statement about the importance of this. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I think the plan itself early on states support for preservation. So if we could kind of throw it back and it's like you quote it here, pull that all the way through. This is Commissioner Holder. I'm, I'm thinking how you could articulate that is that the recommendations provided for the historic preservation ordinance are not in agreement with the critical components of historic preservation identified by the authors of this master plan. And this is Commissioner Foster, and we could, you know, we could each like do a sentence or two and have this, this wonderfully long motion. Um, maybe ending also with a statement of supporting Matt in this last meeting of, you know, um, you know, Matt's been a longstanding uh, participant and representative of the commission. Um, uh, uh, hear him and hear him clearly, and uh, the commission gives him our full support to represent us and we expect his voice to be heard. So, so again, Commissioner Foster, we could go around of Kelly gets a couple of sentences, Sarah gets a couple of sentences, I get a sentence or Brenna gets a sentence and there's somewhere and hopefully some sort of cohesive motion that we could, yeah, we could collectively approve. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I've got an idea and I don't know how it may or may not work. If we make a motion that our minutes or, or the action items from this meeting basically are, are um, they dictate this, get submitted it, as a addendum to what you're drafting. So that way, I mean, yes, this is recorded. And in some ways, as much as I like to complain about digital meetings. This is, I think, one instance having the recording could be beneficial that we're, we've all been recorded having as much of a discussion as we can have and are having. Um, I just think it would be a good, and I don't, Lynn, I don't know how to go about getting a transcription as a submission or an addendum to a, a one-page summary. Mrs. Chair Meyer, I, I guess my concern is, are people going to read something like that? I mean, I, I, I was going to say, I don't know if the suggestion is that we write a letter and that I sign it as chair or somebody signs it, somebody signs it. I mean, I guess, practically speaking, how do you want to go about doing that? 
I mean, I think the, the longer and more documents we put together, the less likely generally people are to pay attention to it. <laughs> but I could be wrong about that. This Commissioner Holder, Lynn, do you have a recommendation on how we can compile a letter to have Jody, uh, Chair Jody Meyer sign on our behalf? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, no, I actually do not have a recommendation on how you want to put this together. You can do it as a letter, and um, or you could do it um, and have Matt bring it up at the meeting. I think you could do either one. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Could this be something we send to the ARC? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I don't think we have time for that, um, but I think you could make a motion to have um, similar language to what Commissioner Irby was reading and ask that Matt read that at the steering committee meeting. This is Commissioner Bosford. I'm good with that. All right, this is Chair Meyer. Is there a motion then? Commissioner Irby, I, oh wait, I should have prepared the motion. I, can I motion that I agree with that? I think what I hear you saying, Commissioner Irby, is that you, you are, are moving to uh, send to Matt Beach um, our commentary that we discussed tonight so that he can read that at the next meeting. Is that what you're moving? Yes. Okay. There's a motion. Do I have a second? Second. Okay. Commissioner Foster seconding it. So let's go ahead and take a roll call vote. Commissioner Irby? Aye. Commissioner Holder? Aye. Commissioner Ezell? Aye. Commissioner Young? That's an aye. I think she's muted. And Commissioner Foster? Aye. Aye. And Commissioner Myers at aye. That motion carries six to zero. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you all very much. I appreciate the support. Yeah, this is Chair Meyer again. Um, we will now move on to the next item on the, the agenda, which is the consent agenda. Um, and I think we are on to administrative approvals. There were some design review applications that have been administratively reviewed and approved. <clears throat> Do, does anyone have any questions for Lynn about those items? I don't see any. Lynn, is there any public comment on this item? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. There are no hands on Zoom and there's no one raising their hand in the commission room. This is Chair Meyer again. Um, if we don't have any commission discussion on those design review applications, um, then I would entertain a motion. This is Commissioner Holder. I move to confirm the attached design review applications according to the standards and information listed in the staff reports for each application. 
Mrs. Chair Meyer, is there a second? Second. Okay, there has been a motion and a second, and I'll take a roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Irby? Uh, Commissioner Irby, aye. Commissioner Holder? Aye. Commissioner Ezell? Commissioner Ezell, aye. Commissioner Young? Abstain. Commissioner Foster? Aye. Okay, Commissioner Meyer is also an aye. And I'm sorry, Commissioner Young, just to be clear, you are abstaining, is that right? Yes. Okay. All right, well, the motion carries uh, five in favor, one abstaining. We will now move on to the general public comment of the evening. Lynn, is there any general public comment that you know of? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Uh, give one more second to make sure no one on Zoom is raising their hand. Is there any member of the public in the commission room that would like to speak? Seeing none, we have no public comment. This is Chair Meyer again, then we will move on to uh, public hearing items. And we will start with DR 20-260, which is 812 to 814 Massachusetts Street. Um, I am sorry, but I have to leave the meeting early tonight. So I'm going to have to turn over the uh, chair tonight to someone else. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I believe Commissioner Irby is our vice chair and should take over. Uh, Commissioner Irby, okay. I will assume the role of chair with my son in the background. Um, so uh, Lynn, would you like to present about um, uh, 812 to 814 Massachusetts Street? Thank you, Commissioner Irby. This is DR-20-00260. It's 812-814 Massachusetts Street. It's for a patio edition. It's a state law review and a downtown design guidelines review. It's submitted by Dalton Paley, the property owner of record. The applicant requests approval for the outdoor patio addition that has been constructed to the rear of 812 Massachusetts Street to serve the restaurant use at 814 Massachusetts Street. The outdoor patio is enclosed by the party walls of 808 Massachusetts Street and 814 Massachusetts Street on the sides and a wall along the alley that is wood frame with metal siding and metal insect screens. The roof is standing seam metal. There's a covered section of the patio that connects the patio to the rear of 814 Massachusetts Street. On the, your screen, you'll see the um, location highlighted in blue. It's in the middle of the block in the 800 block located in Lawrence's downtown um, historic district. Um, Secretary of the Interior Standards 9 and 10 apply to this project. Um, 812 Massachusetts Street is a non-contributing property to Lawrence's downtown historic district, um, but the structure will connect to 814, which is a contributing property to Lawrence's downtown historic district. 
Overall, the addition is compatible. It's compatible with the historic structures and will not damage or destroy any historic property listed in the National Register of Historic Places or the Register of Historic Kansas Places. Staff would recommend that a flat metal panel system or wood fence be used instead of the galvanized corrugated metal, but as you see from the photographs, um, that siding has already been installed and so staff would um, recommend that you approve the state law review and the downtown design guidelines review. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Thank you, Lynn. Oh, does anyone have questions for Lynn? I do, Commissioner Foster. Um, Lynn, I'm trying to um, express my frustration. How does this happen? Why, why do we get um, applications after they're already built? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This started out as a simple patio addition um, to the rear of 812. Um, it was simple with a, a kind of a um, metal roof awning and outdoor seating. As the applicant progressed with their design ideas, um, they decided to enclose um, the patio area and to have some insect screens and to um, instead of using a wood fence to have more of a wall there. So this came about, the initial project was approved administratively. When the project changed to have that wall instead of just a wood fence, our building um, codes department declared this an addition and an addition in the downtown historic district requires um, historic resources commission approval. This is Commissioner Foster. That all sounds great, but then construction proceeded without approval. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, that is correct. And this is Commissioner Foster. And then in the rare occasions that we're presented with this, and then we end up approving it, all it does is encourage future applicants to build and ask forgiveness later. A very difficult position for us to be in. That is my frustration. Thanks. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Um, although I share the sentiment, I have a, I want to take one step further and say why are, or actually Lynn, are there any consequences for taking these actions? Are there any penalties? It's typically, if you violate a building permit, there's a consequence for it. Is there any consequences in this from the chapter 22 or otherwise that could benefit preservation in a way instead of just a building code violation? Liberatic Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. There are no financial penalties for downtown design guidelines that do not go through the process. Um, they can be requested to be removed for the state preservation law. There is a penalty um, according to state statute. It's never been used to my knowledge, um, particularly it has not been used here in Lawrence. Um, usually we work with the applicant to try to make sure that the design meets the design standards and, and bring that to the commission. If the commission 
believes that this does not meet the downtown design guidelines and the Secretary of the Interior standards, the applicant uh, could be asked to remove the structure. And I think before we get in to conversations about that, you would want to hear from the applicant. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Um, I guess for clarification, um, I thought we had a grant program that when a historic structure um, violated kind of their approval, they could be fined up to, I think it was a couple thousand dollars and that money was to go into our local grant. Um, does that grant program and penalty still exist? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. That's for Certificate of Appropriateness for Chapter 22 review. There is a penalty where the penalty would go into the Historic Preservation Fund. Thank you for the clarification. Commissioner Irby, are there any other questions for Lynn? If not, is the applicant present and would uh, they like to speak? Yeah, um, Dalton Paley, uh, the representative for the property owner. Um, is this, I'd, I'd certainly like to speak. Is this an appropriate yes, time? Mr. Irby, please, uh, you have the floor. Um, so just, just a brief history of this project. Um, this was um, um, an attempt by us to assist Limestone, uh, who's been a tenant for us for many years, and to make a sort of a COVID safe eating space for um, people to eat outside uh, safely during COVID. Um, during that process, um, the time of construction sort of, it just took a lot longer than we thought getting um, contractors lined out and um, getting the project completed. And so in that time, we um, were sort of, you know, sort of forced by needs to um, modify the program um, so that Limestone could better serve um, our customers in the future. Um, and so we changed the, um, went through the process to modify the, the permit and um, change the structure so it could be a more enclosed structure um, to, you know, basically protect our guests from um, bugs and, and uh, you know, birds and, you know, so to enclose the out outdoor structure. And so we went through the approved permit or approved process to our understanding to do that. Um, the, the only decision that we made that was sort of outside of the, the permit request um, was the material choice um, for the metal, um, which we felt like was in line with the um, sort of similar structures in the downtown Lawrence area um, that aligned with what a building would look like in this space. Um, so we used um, a reclaimed material that would help to enclose the structure and prevent like bugs and insects and birds from entering the structure. Um, we went through the process. Um, we also fire sprinkled the structure and um, added like a, a new circulation path so it would be ADA compliant and um, basically allow a connection that uh, the city determined was um, I, what I want to say like a um, what the uh, changed the occupancy load during the process, and so that sort of changed our scope of the project, which I guess is sort of the question there. I think 
everything else we understood to be approved by um, the historic guidelines and we attempted to um, maintain you know and, and put something put something together that was within that that um, within those guidelines I submitted some pictures to Lynn that show this is consistent with some of the buildings that are on the alley side of downtown Lawrence um, we, we looked at uh, Sarah's fabric along with a couple other buildings um, that I submitted pictures to Lynn um, in the 1000 block with similar facades on the rear of the structure. Uh, most of the material is on the 812 structure, which is a non-contributing building, um, and, but it does wrap around onto 814 um, where the, there are emergency exits for the structure. Um, it, was, it wasn't our intention to, to, to violate the, the guidelines. We, our attempt was just to meet the needs of the tenant. Commissioner Irby, thank you for that comment. Is there any other public comment at this time? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. I do not see any hands, digital hands raised and via Zoom. Does anybody wish to speak on this item? And we have nobody in the city commission chambers wishing to speak on this item. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Then let's bring it back to the commission for discussion. This is Commissioner Foster. Lynn, can you share those photos that were shared with you? Lynn Braddock-Solner, Historic Resources Administrator. I apologize for not having those uploaded into the packet and I do not have a way to show them to you. Um, I can let you know that the material does exist in the downtown district. Um, it's not used in large sections. Um, over There are metal panels that are used um, in the downtown area, specifically the ones I believe that Dalton was referring to of Viceros Fabrics, that new addition um, that the commission approved. Uh, it had kind of a walkway to an elevator shaft that was all metal panel. This is, this is Commissioner, Commissioner Buchanan. Oh. A quick follow-up question for Lynn, um, or maybe the applicant. Um, is this structure been, um, I don't know, categorized as temporary? Is it gonna be there forever? Is there a specific amount of time it can be there? Or is what we approve you know, you know, likely gonna be a permanent situation? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, this would be permanent. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Can, is there any way that you can show the packet where there's a sheet um, that specifically shows the elevation with the picture of what is currently, or at least at the time of the picture, installed? So we can at least have that visual to And this is Commissioner Holder. Lynn, this is what you're I want to make sure I understand the metal panels that are elsewhere within the proximity of the downtown district or inside the downtown district. Are they flat panels or are they corrugated like this? Lynn Braddock's on their historic resources administrator. There are some that are corrugated and there are some that are flat. This is Commissioner Buchanan. It, it, all of us are fairly familiar with walking down the downtown alleys, I assume. Um, yes, this 
this exists, but not in this scale and proportion um, is my initial reaction. I think that all of this could have been avoided if you take off at least that first, um, that upper band, however wide these panels are, to bring that down to make it more pedestrian again. Um, it seems like most of the things in the alley are stone or concrete, and most of the metal is on a more um, horizontal surface, like, or I shouldn't say horizontal, but roofs where you're not walking next to it. Um, it seems very un pedestrian friendly, which I, I understand why you want to do this. Um, I think it just went too far with the metal. And if you would have just used screening, it would have significantly helped, but still the amount of metal proportionately to the other instances is so disproportionate. Um, I know what you were trying to do and it would be cool, but less is more. This is Commissioner Holder. Um, the issues on the metal panel for me is that it's not a, if you're going by the standards, the Secretary of Interior standards, which apply to this project, that corrugated metal is not appropriate for use in this area. So, uh, this is Commissioner Foster. So are we are we back to the commission at this point? Or is where there was no public comment, correct? Right, we're back. Commissioner Irby, yes. This is we are discussing this as a commission. Yeah. This is this is Commissioner Foster. I uh, you know it, you know, it's just a difficult situation, right? That it's something that we wouldn't have approved if if it had followed the proper process, and gosh knows whose fault it is that it didn't follow the proper process. Um, you also hate to start um, deconstructing in any way and throwing away material, and um, you know that I, I I don't know. It's just a... This is Commissioner Buchanan. Um, I want I just if I wouldn't have approved it before it was built, I'm not gonna approve it after it's built. And I think these are very creative and um, ingenious people and they will find ways to repurpose this material. And I do not support um, the staff's recommendation to approve this project. I think at best it could go to the ARC, but since this is a permanent structure, I think that's where, that's, that's the tipping point for me that had this been temporary, a thing to kind of get through and support. Yes, absolutely. Making this permanent, I'm not okay with um, based on the standards. And I, I just, I, I can't go against that. And I would recommend either ARC or to not approve. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, would you approve a smooth metal panel? Would that be appropriate? This is Commissioner Buchanan, no, because I, I think the transparency of it would be off. 
I think we're looking more for a, what the secretary of it's called for, that's appropriate is a stone or masonry exterior of that much uh, <laughs> coverage. Okay, this is Commissioner Foster. Um, I hate to pull up precedents of other decisions, but we had a very active discussion about the, the four or five story metal tower that this commission ended up approving on a split decision of smooth metal panel. But uh, yeah, some of us felt that metal panel across the board is inappropriate downtown. Some folks felt in certain situations or at least in that particular situation that it was appropriate. Um, and would you know, look forward to us making decisions that you know, while, while we always say one decision is not setting precedent for the future, and in effect, it kind of does. I would like like us to you know to make decisions that um, do stand the test of time, and um, and can be referred to by future applicants as as guidance, I suppose, um, and and what to expect from this commission, uh, as opposed to sort of whiplash of what gets approved one night and what get, doesn't get approved the other night. Um, of course, I, I as I said, I wouldn't. Have, I, I did not support the, the climbing tower project over on Vermont and, you know, just sort of categorically look like, uh, you know, this have the view that that metal panel is inappropriate downtown. And so in that respect, I agree with Commissioner. Commissioner Buchanan, I agree. I, I supported the tower because it was not on the pedestrian level. It's not on the streetscape. Um, so I do want to make a clear distinction as to why I would have supported that instead of this, because um, it is still a metal panel. I think its location, its proximity to that it actually abuts a historic structure. So you're putting metal against stone, which is different than the tower, um, which is all congruent and completely um, works with the Secretary of Interior Standards uh, treatment for historic structures. This is uh, Commissioner Holder. I actually, I agree that this particular material in this instance is not appropriate, but when we're talking about that discussion, I, I believe the biggest issue wasn't necessarily the metal panels for the previous project. Mine was size and scale. And I would also disagree with the pedestrian level because that the main structure, the original structure was brick. So that is masonry and that was metal panel right next to it. So there, there is some ability to have a differentiated and new materials that aren't necessarily found in an adjacent building. I think my issue is not only the textural difference, but that it's so shiny and it calls attention. I, I don't know if this is feasible, but what if the applicant agreed to paint it a more muted tone and that way we're not throwing out material. We're having something that meets a little bit more in, in kind with the Secretary of Interior standards because you can use metal. Um, there is some areas, this is a lot of metal, but there are other areas um, that have metal in the downtown district. This is also a secondary, it is pedestrian level, um, but it is a secondary area. It's not a main thoroughfare. So it doesn't have the same level of pedestrian traffic. Um, and minimal vehicular traffic because it is in a secondary area, even though they do have a um, 
point of entrance, it appears on the rear. But I'm wondering if the other commissioners would be open to a discussion about um, making a motion to have them paint um, the metal to make it more appropriate. This is Commissioner Foster. I think I would support that. Commissioner Irby, I would as well. This is Commissioner Ezell. I think that's a great idea. I was thinking the same thing. Love the idea. I think it just needs to be approved. Commissioner Irby, so does someone want to make a motion? This is Commissioner Holder. I guess my question would be, uh, if we make a motion, what would that process look like for color approval? Would we be able to direct staff to work with the applicant? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Yes, you can do that, but staff would request that you give some direction on what type of color palette you would find appropriate. Commissioner Irby, uh, so let's discuss colors. This is Commissioner Holder. I would look to my architecturally inclined counterparts to weigh in on this. This is Commissioner Foster. Context is everything. Um, without seeing the environs and can't recall particularly, uh, just gonna be dark, earth tone, flat. Um, something that's you know, very, very, very re recessive, uh, but uh, do not have the Sherwin-Williams paint fan handy to, um, so, uh, I, I, you know, Lynn, there's, I think there's processes where we've, um, you know, you know, authorized some sort of offline. So in the, I would offer to assist uh, staff in, in making the staff determination. Commissioner Irby, well, I mean, I, I would imagine that we could put in our motion the guidance that it'd be you know, uh, appropriate and then fitting with the environs. Um, and I, I would be okay with, you know, having Chad consult, or I would also feel comfortable uh, if with that, with that directive, uh, allowing staff to determine whether it's appropriate or not. This is Commissioner, Commissioner Buchanan. I vote that staff could approve the final color. Um, given that as long as it's a matte or satin or suede finish, no semi-gloss or I think eggshells kind of even, and I know there's very specific paint that's required to paint metal. Otherwise it's not gonna last even a weekend. I mean, it's, it's gonna get beat by the sun. So um, it does limit the color choices, but I think there will be something that's appropriate that staff would absolutely approve. And I love the idea. That was awesome. Thanks. Hey, Sarah, do you have a do you have a motion? 
I, I think so. So this is Commissioner Holder. Um, I move to direct the applicant, or I move to have the applicant. I'm sorry. There's a dog fight happening in my house. Um, this is Commissioner Foster. I think the motion has to basically approve, but with some um, caveats, I think. Glenn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. There are um, two recommended actions um, in your packet. I'm gonna put them back on the screen. And also, and then on the screen, and then you can uh, make the addition that the final color choice is approved by staff. Okay, well, I'll, I'll jump in and, and do that then. Hopefully, it's what everybody was talking about. Um, uh, I'll move that, uh, see if I can read this. Well, second of all, I move that we find the proposed project meets the development and design standards of the downtown design guidelines for the downtown urban conservation overlay district with the exception or with the, uh, the condition that the metal panel be painted uh, with an appropriate product and with a color to be affirmed by uh, the Historic Resources Administrator. Commissioner Irby, do you also want to say something about the finish of the paint? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and then that with, yeah, with a flat finished paint. Commissioner Irby, do I have a second? Commissioner Holder, I second. Okay, I will now take roll call. Uh, Commissioner Holder? Aye. Commissioner Foster? Aye. Commissioner Azell? Commissioner Azell, aye. Commissioner Buchanan-Young? Aye. Commissioner Irby is also an aye. Do you wanna try the second one, Commissioner yeah. Foster? Yeah, this is Commissioner Foster. I will um, move to approve the project and make the determination that the project does not damage or destroy any historic property included in the National Historic, the National Register of Historic Places or the State Register of Historic Places. Commissioner Irby, second. I'll take roll call. Commissioner Foster? Yes. Commissioner Holder? Yes. Commissioner Azell? Aye. Um, Commissioner Buchanan Young, where did you go? Oh. This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Um, looks like she dropped out, but she's been admitted. Okay, I'll wait just a second. Commissioner Buchanan Young, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure when you dropped out, but Commissioner Fo uh, Foster made the other motion, and we're on your roll, we're taking roll call. Commissioner Buchanan-Young. Here, aye. All righty, and Commissioner Irby, aye. Okay, uh, Lynn, tell me if I'm jumping the gun, but I think we can move on to DR 
210-164-816 Rhode Island Street. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. That is correct. The next item on your agenda is 816 Rhode Island Street. It's demolition and new construction. Um, it's state law review. The property is contributing structure to the North Rhode Island Street Historic Residential District listed in the National Register of Historic Places. The applicant requests to demolish the structure located at 816 Rhode Island Street, which is a contributing structure to the North Rhode Island Street Historic Residential District listed in the National Register of Historic Places. A new two-story gabled roof structure with an approximate footprint of 1,120 square feet would be constructed on the site. The new structure would be clad with lap siding and would have a composition roof. The applicant also proposes to construct a two-story garage on the property. Secretary of the Interior Standards 2, 5, 6, 9, and 10 apply to the project. And I think we're going through some photographs. This shows one of the interior photographs. Another view, I hope you had a chance. The applicant provided significant number of photographs that were in your packet. I know it took a little while for mine to download, but um, there is a lot of damage. The structure has been gutted to the stud walls. And um, now we'll quickly look at the proposed um, site plan and for the new structure. This is the front and the rear elevation of the proposed structure. And then the north elevation and the south elevation. This is the garage structure showing the flat roof. And this is a composite drawing showing the new structure with the garage structure to the rear. And then looking at the other side of the structure. The property is a contributing structure to the National Register Historic District. When a structure is contributing to a National Register Historic District, the demolition of the structure will result in destroying this portion of the district. A contributing structure to a historic district is the same as being listed individually on the National Register of Historic Places for the purpose of state law review. The state preservation law provides the process to review projects so that they will not damage or destroy properties listed in the National Register of Historic Places or the Register of Historic Kansas Places. The regulations identify that the Secretary of the Interior Standards should be used to review projects. The Historic Resources Commission cannot consider financial feasibility of a project. The proposed demolition of the structure located at 816 Rhode Island Street does not meet the Secretary of the Interior standards and would result in destroying a property listed in the National Register of Historic Places and the Register of Historic Kansas Places. Staff is recommending that you deny the state law review for the pro project, specifically the demolition of the historic contributing structure does not need Secretary of the Interior Standards 2569 and 10. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions you may have. Commissioner Irby, thank you. 
Uh, do any commissioners have questions for Lynn? This is Commissioner Foster. Lynn, as part of the application process, is it clear to staff how long the current owner has owned this property? Lynn Braddock is owner, Historic Resources Administrator. I believe the applicant is here this evening and you can discuss that with the applicant. Commissioner Irby, if there are no other questions for Lynn, um, I will turn it over to the applicant. Applicant, are you present? And would you like to um, talk to us this evening? Yes, we would. My name is Dan, Dan Hermrick. Uh, this is Lou Schmidt, the owner of the property. We've got a, a few comments we'd like to make, if that's okay. I think you can see uh, from the pictures we provided that the house is in extremely poor condition. Uh, we estimate that there's only about 15% of the original materials that are possibly salvageable. Uh, I guess, it, you know, where, where's the point when you're, when you're actually saving the structure or recreating the historic house? Uh, Luce's intent all along has been to put up a single family residence. Uh, the existing, we feel 872 square feet is less than ideal for a family residence. We've talked about an addition. We've talked about uh, accessory structure and accessory dwelling unit, if ever allowed. Uh, in my experience with the HRC, any addition that we put needs to be secondary to the primary structure. Uh, we feel that uh, we in order to make this a functional family dwelling, we probably need to double the square footage, you know, and with, with limitations of, of massing and all of that, we feel that's fairly difficult. Uh, we'd be glad to answer any questions. All said. This is Commissioner Foster. Could you respond to my question about how long the current applicant is on the property? Uh, yeah, it was purchased in the summer of 2017. Thank you. Commissioner Irby, does anybody else have a question for the applicant uh, at, this, at this time? Okay, applicant, we may have additional questions, but um, let's bring it back to the commission to discuss. Sure. Lynn Braddock, former Historic Resources Administrator. This is a public hearing item. You would need to ask for public comment. Yes, Commissioner Irby, sorry, I forgot that. Uh, is there any public comment on this item? This, this is Avery Kerner, planning staff. It looks like we have um, one individual on Zoom who wishes to speak, uh, KT Walsh, go ahead. Hi, KT Walsh and I'm representing the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association. Um, I hope that you got our letter. It sounds like you only got it afternoon today. We worked hard on this letter. We are adamantly opposed to this demolition because this is a contributing structure to the National Historic District. I talked with the owner right after this was purchased and I was assured that this would be saved and rehabbed. The owner knew it was a contributing structure at that point and knows it's in a National Historic District. I would also just personally say, if you didn't get it, 
um, there would be more than 15% of the historic structure left because I've been in that house many times over the years and I know what it looked like. And I know there was original woodwork and built-in cabinets and some wood floors and um, they're gone now according to your photographs. Um, I also would take issue with the idea that um, small houses just simply can't be lived in by young families. I think the trend is moving towards that. Um, I just think, why couldn't you put an addition on it that's appropriate? The HRC and the ARC can help you with that. As you know, Mr. Hermreck, over the years, I have great respect for your work. I know you could design something that was appropriate. Um, I just hope that you will read our letter from the East Lawrence Neighborhood Association carefully. We lay out some of the history and our specific objections. We ask that you deny this demolition. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, KT, I did not get a copy of that letter and I do not have a copy of that letter. If you would like to read it, if you have a copy of it, I'm sorry, um, our president was to send it to you two days ago. I'm so sorry, I can't believe this has happened. It's not like him. He told us that it was sent in. I will have to send it after the fact. I don't have a copy to read to you. We do lay out, if you'll allow me, a little bit from the letter. Um, this home was built by August Urban Urbanski. Um, who owned a clothing store downtown. He was a German immigrant. Also, he sold it. He did the original structure and then added onto it in 1870. Um, then he sold it to the Dykemans who had a store downtown, a meat market, and they were both members of the Turnverein. Um, then around 1940s, it was owned by a couple who had two sons. Um, the father and one of the sons died tragically when the other son was quite young. They were left destitute. The woman who was running the social service league just next block down kindly allowed them to move into the league and hired the woman to be the manager for 16 years. She made enough money to go back to school, become a registered nurse, move back into the home, save the home and live there. Uh, till her son, well, I don't know how long she lived there. She's deceased. Um, over the years, it's been a rental. Uh, the, the man, the son who didn't die was born in the house. And then at some point it became a rental. They lived there and he and his wife moved to Topeka. Um, he wasn't great about maintenance, um, but it wasn't in this bad shape that it is now. I, my biggest issue is when the current applicant bought the house, why didn't they tarp where it was leaking? Why didn't they do any exterior protective measures to keep more demolition by neglect from happening? That's just surprising. I, it looks like they just assumed they'd be allowed to tear it down. So we adamantly oppose this teardown and I will send you all the letter as soon as this meeting is over. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Katie, is there anyone, is there other, any additional public comment on this item? Does any, 
This is Avery Kerner with planning staff. It looks like we do have one individual in the city commission chambers who would like to speak. Please just state your name before your comment. Hello, commissioners. Good evening, Dennis Brown, president of the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. It's good to see you again. A uh, couple new commissioners, good luck uh, on your term uh, and the folks who've been here a while. It is good to see you again. It's been quite a while. Uh, I'm going to read a short statement crafted by the uh, executive committee of the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. LPA supports the staff recommendation as we also seek to preserve historic structures and believe that demolition of such structures should not be permitted until all measures to preserve a listed structure have been evaluated. We realize that this is a difficult rehabilitation to undertake. Does the overall condition of the house allow for a rehab plus addition that results in a small house with the value equal to or greater than the cost of purchase and project cost? At this point in time, we are not yet convinced the record sufficiently establishes that no prudent and feasible alternative to demolition exists. LPA has communicated to the applicants that we stand ready to assist with further evaluation of alternatives should they request it. Thank you. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Any other public comment? Yeah, I, would, I would respond to okay. This is Avery planning staff. Yes, we have one more. Hello, this is Lewis Schmidt, the property owner. And uh, to KT's comments, um, I would just say that the house was neglected for many years before I purchased it. And when we gutted the walls, um, it really exposed a lot of the issues that uh, we are now, um, that we now know more about. So had we not done that, this would have just come up down the road and we wouldn't have known uh, what we were getting into. So. As far as the woodwork and whatnot, there was minimal woodwork. There was no uh, wood shelving. Um, I have old photos of that stuff if you'd like to see it, but uh, that's just not the case. Thank you. Commissioner Irby, is there any additional public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner planning staff. No, we do not have any more public comment. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Okay, we will now bring it back to the commission for discussion. This is Commissioner Foster. I do want to make sure that everybody sees Stan Hernley's letter that's at the very end of the packet. Again, this is Commissioner Foster. I concur with the staff report and um, I will be supporting the staff recommendation to deny approval. Commissioner Irby, I'm inclined the same way. Commissioner Holder, I am also inclined to um, move forward with staff recommendation. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Uh, I would just want to clarify that the applicant's not willing to meet with, go back to the architect and talk about any kind of other options to bring to the ARC to give it one last chance before denial. 
This is Commissioner Foster. Could you repeat that? I, I was asking the applicant if they were willing to work with their architect to have something appropriate be brought to the ARC, just one last chance. Commissioner Irby, can we do that since the since the proposal is for demolition? Yeah, this is Commissioner Foster. I think that would be an entirely new proposal, a new application for a completely new project. This is Commissioner McKay, I retract my statement then. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Uh, commission, you may want to divide this project so that you can make a motion on the demolition and then a separate motion might be to table the new construction pending appeal of the demolition permit. And then that new construction would come back to you as a new project. Commissioner Irby, uh it, unless anyone, if I don't hear any objections, I'll attempt such a motion. This is Commissioner Holder. So are we under the assumption if we separate it out to deny the demolition permit that they, wouldn't they have to just reapply for new con, new construction after going through city commission? Lynn Braddock, Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. The project as proposed is demolition and new construction. So if you want to look at them separately, um, because staff had recommended if you um, approve the new construction that it go to the ARC um, for some design refinement. So um, if you're going to deny the project, then you would want to separate out the new construction unless you're happy with the way that it's submitted and no ARC. Commissioner Irby, but Lynn, should we just table making a decision on the new construction pending the appeal of the demolition? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, yes. Commissioner Holder, did you have another question? Yes, Commissioner Holder. I um, I don't see, I only see the one recommendation. I don't see where it... Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. No, you only see the one um, recommendation from staff for denial. This is Commissioner Foster. Uh, I would have some serious issues with the proposed design anyway, flat roof, two-story garage, et cetera. So I'm going to move to deny the project and make the determination that the project destroys the historic property included in the National Register of Historic Places and the State Register of Historic Places. Commissioner Holder, second. Commissioner Irby, let's take roll call. Commissioner Foster. Yes. Commissioner Holder. Yes. Commissioner Azell. Yes. Commissioner Buchanan Young. I have a question to Lynn. If we, if I vote now, we don't get a look at this again. It, it goes to the city commission, it gets appealed and what's proposed could potentially be built. If we separate it, then it could be demolished and we have another shot at potentially working with the applicant on a more appropriate design. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, that would be correct. 
Okay. I would like to take a second motion or propose a second motion, even though there's already a majority vote that we separate right. the two. Excuse me, excuse me, Commissioner Buchanan Young. There's a motion on the floor that's been seconded. So that person would need to withdraw that motion. If you would like to um, do a separate motion or you can continue to vote on the motion on the floor. Commissioner Foster, do you wanna withdraw your motion? Yeah, yeah, this is Commissioner Foster. I will withdraw the motion. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I'd like to make the motion that we separate in uh, the two reviews that we approve the demo demolition, but deny the um, new construction. No, no, no. Uh, respectfully, Buchanan Young, you don't want to approve the demolition, right? No. It, this is Commissioner Buchanan, separating the two. I. I have a bigger problem with butts being proposed. I think there's. Fine, try this again. I'm gonna deny both the demolition and the new construction. Uh, this is Commissioner Foster. That's the that's the, uh, that's the the motion that I just made and withdrew. Um, we separating them. Uh, Sorry, I haven't slept in three days. Sorry, guys. I'm, Commissioner Irby, that sounds terrible. Commissioner Buchanan Young, could you just withdraw your motion? I withdraw. Okay, so Commissioner and, Irby, oh. I have to take a stab at this. Uh, uh, I move that in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards and the definitions in KSA 75-2724 and the accompanying regulations, the, the HRC deny the project and make the determination that the project destroys the historic property included in the National Register of Historic, oh crap. <clears throat> I withdraw that motion, I'm gonna try again. Um, in accordance with the Secretary of the, of the Interior Standards and the definition in KSA 75-2724 and the accompanying regulations, I move that the HRC deny the demolition of this building Period. End of motion. And 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 make the determination that the demolition destroys the historic property. And make the determination that the project destroys the historic property included in the National Register of Historic Places and the State Register of Historic Places, Register of Historic Kansas Places. Period. Second. Second. Roll call. Uh, Commissioner Foster. Yes. Commissioner Holder. Yes. Commissioner Buchanan Young. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Yes. And Commissioner Irby is also aye. And I'm going to make a second motion. I move that the HRC table the um, new construction proposal uh, pending the uh, applicant's appeal of the demolition. Second. Commissioner Irby, I'll now take roll call. Commissioner Foster? Yes. Commissioner Buchanan-Young? Aye. Commissioner Azell? Yes. Commissioner Holder? Aye. And Commissioner Irby is aye. Lynn, is there anything else we need to do with this? Lynn Braddock, Solner, Historic Resource Administrator, no, that seems like it concludes this item. 
Commissioner Irby. Thank you all. Okay. Moving on to DR 21-00091-1704 Tennessee Street. I will turn things over to Lynn. Um, this is a new accessory structure. You saw this at your meeting last month. It's for um, a new accessory structure for the property located at 1704 Tennessee Street. The structure would be 28 feet by 26 feet for a total of 728 square feet. The structure would be approximately 23 feet tall and would be placed on a slab foundation. The structure would be clad with rough sawn cedar plywood siding and, and would have a gabled roof. Um, as I mentioned, the Historic Resources Commission reviewed this request at their meeting on May 20th, 2021. At that meeting, the commission referred the project to the Architectural Review Committee to work with the applicant to better meet the standards and guidelines while meeting the applicant's project goals. Specifically, the ARC was to work with the applicant on the size, scale, massing materials and roof form for the proposed structure. The ARC met with the applicant on June 3rd, 2021. At that meeting, there was consensus by the committee members and the applicant to change the direction of the siding to be horizontal instead of vertical and to use double hung windows instead of side slide windows. The committee agreed that the location of the proposed structure on the site and the grade change from west to east minimized the size, scale, and massing of the proposed structure on the lot. Commissioner Holly provided a sketch, which was included in your packet, of how the height and grade change affected this decision. While the roof pitch was not similar to the primary structure, the majority of the committee felt this was approvable because of the location of the structure. And I would ask the members of the ARC if they would have any other comments um, after staff's presentation. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, be happy to stand for any questions you may have. Commissioner Irby, thank you, Lynn. Uh, would members of the, of the ARC uh, please uh, comment? Or do you have anything to add? This is Commissioner Foster. Uh, Lynn summarized our meeting uh, very well. Commissioner Irby, is the applicant present? And would you like to speak? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. I do not believe the applicant is present this evening. Commissioner Irby, is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. I see no hands raised on Zoom. And there is no one in the commission chambers wishing to speak. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Uh, let's bring it back to the commission for discussion. Um, I'd like to thank the ARC for their efforts. This seems to be an improved project. Uh, I'm inclined to approve it. This is Commissioner Holder, and I also wanted to thank ARC for their diligent work um, with the revisions to the proposed plan, and I would also like to approve it. This is Commissioner Foster. I will then make a motion um, in accordance with the Secretary of the Interior Standards, the standards of evaluation. Ooh, I'm bringing the wrong one. 
Anybody else on the right one? This is Commissioner Holder. I can make a motion. Thank you. Um, uh, I move that we, well, the action just says approve certificate of appropriateness. So I move that we approve the certificate of appropriateness for uh, DR21-00091. Uh, commission, okay, Commissioner Irby, do we need to add that it, that we find that it will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmark or their environs, Lynn? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. That's not necessary, but you can do so if you choose. Okay, let's just go with it. Um, Commissioner Foster. Yes. Commissioner Holder. Yes. Commissioner Azell. <coughs> Yes. Commissioner Buchanan-Young. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also aye. So it passes unanimously. Uh, let's see here. Um, Commissioner Irby, are there any most miscellaneous items for discussion or comment? Okay, um, then I think we can adjourn the June 17th meeting of the HRC. Thank Thanks, you. good night, everybody. Thanks, see you next month. <laughs>